Linda Rosani with Digital CXO, and I'm excited to be here today with George Carizas. He's the practice leader of customer transformation for PwC. How are you doing? Hi, Amanda. Very good. Thank you for having me. So can you share a little bit about PwC? What services do you provide and um, who are your main clients? Uh, of course, I'd, I'd love to. So PwC obviously is known in the industry as the powerhouse in the accounting and tax space, but we also have a very potent consulting uh, arm. I'm in the consulting uh, services and within consulting, we have our five major platforms that we uh, go to market. And within that, there's transformation and customer transformation specifically. Um, when I think about the areas that my partners and I focus within customer transformation, um, I look at it as uh, the three main functions of what you would consider in the front office of any uh, company. So sales, service, and marketing being the three functions. And the clientele that we have is, you know, in the focus uh, uh, 500, as well as uh, a lot of the companies that you see, you know, in the front pages of some of the newspapers for a lot of the great work that they do. We cover uh, about 11 sectors, so pretty much uh, about 80 to 90% of uh, what would constitute the United States uh, economy. And uh, the sector that I personally focus is financial services and, and banking more, more specifically. Um, the typical work that we do, as I mentioned in the front office, will span from helping companies uh, with uh, defining and designing around their purpose and their values, and then really driving that in terms of products and services that are differentiated and backed by you know, value that they're creating, whether it is for their customers or for society in general. We do pride ourselves in helping our clients solve you know, the, the most important and pressing issues that, that they deal with. And when I think about some of the largest scale work that we do, it is at the forefront of all the things that you see in the news. So whether it is uh, you know, the use of generative AI now and, and how that's going to transform uh, industries and the way that we all interact and what it means to be human, frankly. When you look at the advent and the uh, progress that is being made in the environmental and governance uh, aspects and so social change on the ESG side and really moving away from just it being about reporting and kind of statusing, but more importantly about how do you drive change um, and then, uh, you know, traditionally, um, as you look at all companies, they need to attract, retain, and obviously enhance relationships with their customers. And so how do they do that? How do they use data and informed insights to be able to drive that value proposition for the for their client base? So I know I kind of provided a wide canvas and array there, but I'm more than happy to kind of double click on different areas. Thanks for sharing. That's a lot to digest. And I, I definitely want to dissect that and talk about many different things. Um, let's start. Let's start with the customer loyalty survey you recently conducted of over, I believe, over 400. Uh, was it US over executives. 400 executives? Mm -hmm. And what were some of the findings when it came to what customers think of when it's thinking about experience and customer loyalty versus what executives are thinking. Yeah, of course. And so, as you mentioned, we ran a survey that uh, ran for both executives at firms as well as actual consumers. And so what was interesting in the survey results that we saw is that about 61% of 
of the executives said that their customers are more loyal now than they were before the pandemic. What is very interesting about that is that when we asked the consumers, they actually said that about 20% of them said that they were more loyal than before the pandemic. And so as you can see, there is a big difference in opinion in terms of loyalty when it comes to the executives running the firms and really the consumers of their products and services. Now, what's interesting also is that 91%, so 9 out of 10 executives said that their loyalty programs should provide more rewards or benefits. So there is a little bit of an admission that, you know, these uh, programs need to actually be spruced up a little bit and be more relevant for the customers. And actually, I think that provides a little bit of an explanation as to how and why there is that divide between the executives and the consumers. The consumers are usually the recipients of those benefits and rewards. So if they're not feeling rewarded and the benefits, that's what they're less likely to say that they feel more loyal um, to the brand. Now, what's also interesting is, you know, there is a price experience gap and there is a disconnect between kind of businesses and consumers in terms of when you think about pricing and, and the prices going up or discounts ending, you know, 37% of the executives identified that as the, the cause for the divide. Uh, whereas only 17% of our, of the consumers said that the pricing going up or discount ending was the, you know, actual, um, kind of discrepancy there. And then what I find fascinating, which continues to be the case is that when it comes to bad experiences with products or services, that's where the majority of the consumers said that the disconnect exists and that they felt um, that, you know, the companies were not really providing that value that they saw pre-pandemic. Um, maybe I'll, I'll kind of offer uh, two or three more uh, interesting aspects, and we can talk more around those uh, personalized experiences. So what we found is that they do drive loyalty, but some of the companies may not be delivering the right experiences. Uh, so for instance, you know, easier, fast access to products, top the list of what businesses provide to consumers, but only, you know, a small fraction of consumers said that that was the most important aspect of personalized experience. Um, and I think it was disproportionate. I think it was about 47% of executives that said that that was one of the prime reasons why they were pushing personalized experiences. So that's one. Um, when it comes to a kind of bridging the gap in why customers leave, um, I think it's very critical for a lot of companies to invest more in the loyalty efforts. What we saw was a lot of the companies put a halt in spending when it came to loyalty in the last few years, especially during the pandemic. And while everyone shifted to digital, a lot of the traditional, you know, aspects that come with loyalty never really quite evolved. And the last piece that I would probably uh, kind of point out, again, based on what we saw in our in our survey, is that um, the executives believe that good customer service is really the top driver to winning loyalty. But the consumers actually believe that high-quality products are the key. And so, again, a little bit of a disconnect there between how the executives are thinking about go-to-market and how they attract customers and how customers want to be attracted to to a company through their products and services. 
Um, it and, sounds like there's a plethora of issues. I would say a plethora of opportunities um, because as, as we kind of see, and unfortunately I can't give you some specific brand examples uh, due to some of the relationship that we have with some of the, the brands that we work with, but you may have, uh, let's say a consumer electronics uh, brand manufacturer that um, pre-pandemic had a fairly uh, entrenched position in a sub-segment of the market um, in mobile devices. And as the pandemic kind of evolved and some of their competition formed some ecosystem and kind of partnerships, started to branch out of, of the traditional kind of channel of consumer electronics and went into financing and more into kind of pay now, uh, buy now, pay later. Um, we start to see that some of those become products now and they become the differentiator in terms of how they go to market. So these new business model immersion is definitely something that uh, we see as an opportunity. And also um, the fact that now sectors and industry lines are starting to blur is creating a much bigger opportunity for companies to play at a bigger pool than before. Okay, so opportunities, yes, let's go with that. Um, there were many different, I think, differentiators that you talked about. I think a big one might be just harnessing the customer and consumer data better. How can executives better get an idea of what the customer wants by harnessing real-time data? How would that benef be beneficial to them? And then how do they do that? Yeah, so what we've seen, especially with data, in this uh, kind of latest evolution of uh, the, the definition of, of data uh, is the emergence of customer data platforms or CDPs. And so these uh, kind of aggregated um, data platforms uh, not only host the first party data, which is what the companies own and it's proprietary to those companies, they also allow for the hooks or the plugins to consume second and third party data that the companies can purchase uh, or, you know, work with partners in the ecosystem, PwC being one of them, to be able to augment the, the data that they have for an individual, let's say for you and I, and say that they don't only have um, needs and uh, wants in terms of our relationship with that company, but they know our demographic information beyond what they've collected. They have some attitudinal or behavioral um, data attributes based on um, being able to synthesize what our personality types or profiles would look like. And so what we see, and we help a lot of our clients, especially using some of our proprietary uh, platforms like Customer Link, is the ability to do micro-segmentation or audience creation and help companies, if I think about in consumer markets, for example, um, in retail, uh, if you have uh, retail footprint stores uh, in different shopping malls, you can actually see and analyze the foot traffic, the type of clientele, the actual purchasing patterns, the type of purchases and how people choose to transact as a credit or debit or, you know, buy now, pay later type of situations. And then you can offer the retailer data and insights into how to use that, you know, 
footprint type of information, the uh, geography uh, specific information, as well as the uh, broader purchasing patterns, tie it to their customer base, and then actually use either dynamic pricing as a mechanism to get people more attracted to what it is that they offer, or use discounting, trade aspects, or even you know specific special events. And we see now with Metaverse coming up in the last couple of years, you know, different types of experiences that they offer. And so that type of personalization, what I call at scale, is what is starting to, to be more prevalent. And we're starting to see a lot more companies go down the path of exploring how to do that. I'm hearing that phrase a lot, personalization, so important. So that solves one of the issues. And I'm wondering if just the open line of communication might be another issue to solve, just having a way for the customer to immediately get help and communicate um, their needs. I know there's more advanced chat bots these days being used. Um, what are your solutions to just having a better line of communication? So when we talk about line of communication, how paramount it is to be able to you know send and receive feedback in almost real time and be able to influence your mood, your behavior, your your actual experience, right? So in if I go a few decades ago, you know, we started to see the emergence of these call centers and really outsourced call centers into other countries. Then you started seeing the kind of evolution of online e-commerce and you know the chat feature coming up on websites. You know, then we started talking about, you know, what I'll call omni channel. So you're able to text call or live chat then we started seeing the emergence of bots you mentioned the kind of interactive agents now that uh, are being deployed by various companies and i think what we are now entering and crossing especially with the progress that we've seen in the artificial intelligence space is these more personalized almost avatar like um, assistants that are going to start to merge especially on the digital uh, frontier, there are going to be a mix of the experience that we get when we call someone and the immediacy that we have when we use a live chat or a text. And so there's a lot of discussion around, you know, how do you do that in a responsible manner and in a way that it's secure, it is also inviting, and it's not putting a bunch of hurdles because no one likes to, you know, hit the click button, yes, I accept this cookie, yes, I have these preferences every time that they have to, to to use that feature. But we're starting to see that emergence or convergence, if you like, of different solutions coming into that virtual assistant um, kind of realm. And the the companies that are going to get that, you know, let's say 80% right, are going to have at least one or two step advantage against other companies that are playing more in their traditional means. Uh, I don't think the need to talk to someone on the phone is going to go away, but you may not be talking to a human at some point. It might be, you know, a, an AI powered assistant that is having a full blown conversation with you. And I don't think we're very far from that. I think customers and executives both are looking for efficiency, more automation. And talking about some of the things you brought up, just some of the new tools, generative AI, et cetera. Um, when companies are looking at how to best digitally transform, 
what are some of the tools they should be looking at and how can they utilize them in their business? You mentioned metaverse. I know there's VR and AR. So how should they look at these new tools? It's so rapid, all these technology advances. And how do they grab them and put them in use before before they're old news? So the we'll start with the not-so-great news. The not-so-great news is that the speed and the pace by which the technology is evolving is only going to accelerate. And so I think uh, the first kind of piece of advice that I give my teams as well as some of my clients is that you have to get comfortable with the fact that you may not be at the forefront of every technological advancement, but you have to be in the mix and in the conversation. And it's not about making hard aligned decisions to you know stake your company's future in one technology but you have to have a a strategy that includes different types of plays weighted and also um know where you kind of your your end your your end goal is the journey might change but the, your destination your purpose has to be kind of fixed and so what what is happening with that acceleration of the technology and the fact that you know companies have to have a balanced view, the ability to test and learn and have the mentality of if you're going to fail, fail fast and fail cheap and fail forward, I think is important. And it's a mindset. And a lot of companies struggle because the majority of the companies want to get it right. They want to have something that is solid. And I think they're missing an opportunity to use the type of feedback from the community and for their consumers to actually help them develop a better product or a better offering. And so when I look at kind of what is emerging right now um, and why certain companies that release their AIs into the world and into the wild, they benefit from getting the feedback from thousands and then millions of users. And being able to use that and harness it only improves the value proposition. Earlier, I mentioned about being responsible. There are, I think, a lot of situations right now where we're creating something that's novel and and good, but at the same time, it will have adverse effects later on. And so we always have to be applying a lens of being socially and technically responsible and also uh, kind of thinking about all the use cases that... uh, someone else is thinking about that uh, can exploit some vulnerabilities and security. So I see a lot of opportunity in the cyber risk and reg um, aspects of, of these technologies, and, and it's going to continue to to take place. Yes, and you talk about the risk. That's true. This technology is expanding so rapidly, and it's, it's open uh, to the world. And so I know some of the concerns are, if it's open and there's no regulation, there's a lot of bias, there's a lot of um, hallucination concerns and ethical concerns. So it really is probably a good idea to step back and approach it slowly and um, be able to harness all the amazing aspects, but without causing problems. Look, the the ability to regulate is going to be, I think, at the forefront right now of discussions with a lot of the companies as well as different governments across the world. Um, we have entered an era in the space of, um, you know, acceleration at an exponential curve. And for those familiar with exponential curves, right, the data point that we're on right now 
is, you know, at the mid tip of the hockey going a stick going up. And so I would love for us to do all the socially responsible aspects. Uh, chances are that uh, there are certain things that have been already in place that we will not find until much later. Um, I like to believe in the positive aspects of humanity and, and the fact that in the past, and if history is an indicator, we ha we tend to make the right decisions over a period of time. Um, we are going to find a way to create a framework that we can all operate under. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the companies will have to realize that as long as that conflicts with their profitability, with the way that they, you know, earn and gain the the prominence in the space, they have to make a few sacrifice places. And I, I believe that in the end, they will have to do that um, for the sake of, I think, of progress as well as the benefits that it has for all of us. As I said earlier, I see this as opportunities, not challenges. I'm an eternal optimist. I do believe that we need to use technology to better um, humanity. And um, as long as that is the guiding principle, there will be the right type of regulation. There will be the right type of security. And um, hopefully we can solve problems that we have not been able to do because we're constrained. Like that's at the end of the day, that's what it solves for. We have constraints. Um, if it helps remove them, um, I think we need to be for it. Absolutely. Well, uh, I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing your insights with us. There's so much to think about when it comes to technology, harnessing the technology and for executives, how do they keep that customer loyalty and continue to transform and stay with the times? So appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, thank you for having me, Amanda. <laughs>